very fitting song as we turn our attention to God's Word and to the sacraments particularly. We'll be reading from Romans 4, Romans chapter 4, verses 1 through 12. It'll be found on page 1197 in your Pew Bibles. We will also be reading Belgic Article 33, which can be found in your Forms and Prayers book on page 189. In God's providence, through our progression of the Belgic Confession, we land on the sacraments, having before us the sacrament of baptism today. Before reading from Romans chapter 4, we will ask for God's blessing. Let's pray. Father in heaven, as we have just sung of your great love for your people, we see your love portrayed and delivered to us in your word. We see it in this chapter before us, reading of the promises given to Abraham and of the signs that you have given to signify and seal these to us, your people. Help us to grasp them to the greatest extent that our feeble minds may. May we see your great love, your great promises, and magnify your name in this process as well. May we glorify you as our heart's desire and even the goal of worship itself. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. This passage from Romans 4 will be read to provide us with a background and an understanding of the sacraments themselves. Romans 4, beginning in verse 1. What then, shall we say, was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And to the one who does not work but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. Is this blessing then only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? For we say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. How then was it counted to him? Was it before or after he had been circumcised? It was not after, but before he was circumcised. He received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. The purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised, so that righteousness would be counted to them as well. To make him the father of the circumcised who are not merely circumcised, but who also walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. This ends our reading from Romans 4, as Romans 4 presents to us what's going on in the sacraments as a sign and seal of faith. A sign and seal of faith that came to Abraham and was his before the sacrament itself was given and yet made him as the father of all, both Jews and Gentiles. And now we read Article 33 of the Belgic on the sacraments. We believe that our good God, mindful of our crudeness and weakness, has ordained sacraments for us to seal his promises in us, to pledge his goodwill and grace toward us, and also to nourish and sustain our faith. 
He has added these to the word of the gospel to represent better to our external senses both what he enables us to understand by his word and what he does inwardly in our hearts, confirming in us the salvation he imparts to us. For they are visible signs and seals of something eternal and invisible, by means of which God works in us through the power of the Holy Spirit. So they are not empty and hollow signs to fool and deceive us, for their truth is Jesus Christ, without whom they would be nothing. Moreover, we are satisfied with the number of the sacraments that Christ our Master has ordained for us. There are only two, the sacrament of baptism and the Holy Supper of Jesus Christ. People of God, there are many ways that we might want to worship the Lord. There are many, perhaps, creative ways we could think to accomplish this. Why just preaching? Why just the word? Why not something external? Why not something sensory? And within us, you have seen throughout church history a craving for that sensory experience. You see, the Old Testament was very full of the sensory experience. You could almost say, and this is, this is overstating it, that everything was sensory. Clearly not God's word was, being, was given, prophesied, and taught to them through it, but it was largely used in very sensory ways. You think of the sacrificial system. You think of the, the temple and the priests and all the rites that they had. These things that are actually inferior, but nonetheless helpful to see the gospel portrayed, to see it with our eyes smell it with our noses, to touch it, to see tangibly what it is. Now we have to be careful. Obviously there have been those in the church who have tried to put forward many different sensory things, many different rites and ceremonies by which they thought we can convey the gospel this way. Why not have a cross set up? Why not write sins on a piece of paper and go and nail it to the cross? That Won't that convey the gospel? Why don't we do that? We'll get into that today. Why don't we create our own ways and ceremonies to worship the Lord? Well, because he has given us these external ways. You see, God is mindful of our weakness. God is mindful and knows that some of us, in fact all of us, learn through a tactile way. Learn through touch, taste, smell. Learn by sight. Some of us even more than others. And to us as people, he's given us these two external, visible rights that we can see, that we can see visibly portrayed as an aid to our faith, that we would not just be left with, no, I believe, I trust, and so his promises must be mine, but to be actually able to see it, as we saw just moments ago, water placed on Selah's head, real water that we could see accompanied with God's word and promises that say this water signifies and seals is symbolic and truly even conveys spiritually the washing of Christ to those who receive it by faith whom the Holy Spirit works that faith. So when we question, well, the promises ours? Are those promises mine? We have the, we have the font. Can it be mine? Did not God declare before his people, before many witnesses, that you are one baptized into himself with his name, Father, Son, and Spirit placed upon you, the water rushing over our heads to symbolize that cleansing, washing, and union with Christ? 
You see the waters that we just saw, saw roll over Zayla's head, signify so much as we read in that form. Burial. Burial with, death, with Christ in, in death. But cleansing and resurrection. The waters of the Red Sea itself that the people of Israel had to walk through to leave a land and a position of slavery to enter into freedom in their Lord. That is what's symbolized in baptism as well. That's what's symbolized in the sacraments in union with him as a help, as a way to strengthen our faith, as a way for us to see the gospel and know it is ours. All those who have been washed are heirs of that promise. All those given that sign were given those promises by God. It's an aid that we would see and strengthen our faith. And that's what we have in the Belgic Confession. It presents us that today. It presents us the truth of what Romans 4 was talking about with faith and Abraham and the sacraments that signify and seal that to us. And this article presents well and simply what is the very center of what sacraments convey. Remember, as we've been walking through the Belgic, we approached what we could term the doctrine of the church in Article 27. That's where we start talking about what does God's word say about the church itself. And so we defined the church. We talked about obligations of church membership. In Article 29, you see the marks of the church, that it is the preaching of God's word, the right administration of the sacraments, and discipline. Well, here we take up the sacraments to see what is the right, the right performance, the right use of the sacraments. And the Belgic gives us that in a clear way. Sacraments, as we'll see, we see in this article, are closely connected to God's word, but differ from it. You see, the sacraments are always connected to the word of God. They are not given apart from that, and they take much of their meaning from the word that is proclaimed and preached. It is, without preaching, without the word of God accompanying them, the sacraments would be bereft of meaning without God's word explaining and teaching. But they are different and similar. How are they similar? The sacraments and God's word are both similar because they're ordained by God. That gets at, well, what can we do in worship? Can we just make our own rites? Well, no, they're ordained by God. Both the word and sacraments are God's appointed means to produce faith in the word and to strengthen our faith in the word and sacraments. They are both ordained by God. They're similar as well in that they both have the same central content What are the content of the sacraments? What is the content of God's word? It's Jesus Christ in the fullness of his person, work. Nothing's conveyed in God's word or the sacraments that is not Christ himself, that does not find its fullness and its answer there. So they both have that same central content, Jesus Christ. They are both completely dependent on the work of the Spirit for their effectiveness. You see, God's word is spoken and is preached throughout the world, and that does not mean God's word brings about every result just on us receiving it. That just by receiving God's word, we hope someone might be brought into new life and faith. No, that has worked through the Holy Spirit. Well, the same is true of the sacraments as well. The sacraments don't just prove themselves effective in the external right. It's worked by the Holy Spirit. So it's similar to God's word in that way. But how do... How do the sacraments and the word of God differ? Well, the word and sacraments are different in that the word is regarded as, regarded as indispensable to salvation, where sacraments are not regarded in that way. 
What we mean there is that it takes God's word as first of order and primary to bring about faith. That is what the Holy Spirit uses to produce faith. It's the preached gospel. It's the word of Christ. And that is not the fundamental purpose of the sacraments. It is God's word that is the saving grace and the sacraments that accompany that word. And so there is a certain priority in the word of God. We're not saying that sacraments are unimportant, but we're giving it its proper order. First comes God's word. They differ as well in their extent. They differ in their extent. The gospel is commanded to be preached to all men everywhere. To preach it to all, yet the sacraments are not commanded to be given to all, but only to those who trust, only to those who are covenant members who should be brought into the covenant are owed that promise. So it's a covenantal sign, whereas the word of God is much broader than that, to be delivered to all the world. They differ in their aim. The aim of God's word is, again, to produce that faith, yes, to strengthen it as well, but there's a production there. The aim of the sacrament is not to produce the faith. The aim of the sacrament is to nourish and strengthen faith, to nourish and strengthen those who are in the covenant. They also differ in their external form. In the word, God appeals to our hearing, but in the sacrament, to our senses. And that's pretty obvious. We understand that. That's the whole point of them. So that's how they differ. How can we define sacraments? What's a good way to define them? Sacraments are signs and seals instituted by Christ, conveying the grace of God in Christ, and received by believers through faith. That definition is in the bulletin handout. I'm going to say it again. Sacraments are signs and seals instituted by Christ, conveying the grace of God in Christ, and received by believers through faith. See, the aspects of sacraments are those that they first need to be instituted by Christ himself. They're God-ordained. This is also what gives us guidance that what in God's word should we make a sacrament? You see, to say it that way is wrong. It's wrong-footed. We don't approach God's word and say, okay, let's us determine what we should call sacraments and what we'll use as sacraments. No, God has given them to us, instituted them. Go and make disciples. Partake of the Lord's Supper. They're commands to be followed. They replace the sacraments of the Old Testament, the circumcision and Passover. They're instituted and ordained by God. Sacraments are also meant to be sensible and easily understood. When we say easily understood, we don't mean fully grasped. Sacraments are deep. And if you think, oh, sacraments aren't that, that deep, I get it. Well, you just haven't, haven't read enough about them. Sacraments are very, very deep. Mysterious even. And so we can't fully comprehend the depth of all that God portrays and gives to us in sacraments. Our finite minds cannot comprehend its fullness, but we get the point. The point of baptism, put clearly, is is union with Christ because we're washed with him. We're so united because we've been washed in his blood. We're so cleansed in the washing of water. It's, It's, in one sense, as simple as washing our hands in the sink before we eat. Why do we do that? Because we know we have grime, we know we have germs, we know we have things on them that we don't want to ingest, and so we go to a sink and we cleanse them and we wash them and we scrub our hands to clean them. Well, that is what baptism portrays in its very fundamental way. Cleansing Christ. Union with Him. 
Well, what does the Lord's Supper do? It does the same. does it in a slightly different way. It shows that we are so united to Christ that we are fed on Him. He is our nourishment. What propels us spiritually, what sustains our faith, it's the body and blood of Christ that we eat. Okay, we use the example of washing our hands before a meal. The Lord's Supper is the meal. We are cleansed, and then we partake. We feed upon, and it is through spiritually feeding upon Christ that our faith is strengthened. You see, at their center, they're clear. They're designed to be that. They're designed to be boys and girls that you can see the same. You know that you have to wash your hands. You know that you have to clean them. Your parents teach you that. Just like you need to be washed in Christ's blood, and that's baptism. You also know that you're supposed to eat. You're supposed to feed yourself. Your body needs that. It can't be sustained without, being, without having food. And so that's the Lord's Supper. Sustenance of our faith that we can look upon Christ and be so fed. So they're easily understood. Sacraments are signs of the grace of God in Christ. It is Christ who is conveyed. Sacraments are signs of the benefits of the covenant of grace. It's covenantal. That's language we use all the time. It's language I think we often think we grasp and maybe perhaps don't in the richness of what the covenant is, what we stand in as, as what we're owed. Heirs of a covenant, heirs of these blessings and sacraments are that covenantal sign and seal, covenantal meal. Sacraments are represented and sealed and applied to believers. It is for us. Sacraments also allow believers to, in turn, give expression to their faith and allegiance in God. Now, there are some who would over-present over this point. There are some who would say sacraments are only our representation, our profession of faith, and that is not primarily what they are, but sacraments are accompanied by professions of faith. Why did we call Evan and Monica up? Why did they bring Selah and present her? Because it is on their profession of faith by which their covenant offspring are owed the promises. That's what God's word says. Going all the way back to the Old Testament, Abraham was called to circumcise his children. All who came from him were to be circumcised because the promises were given to him and he had believed them in faith. And so accompanied with the sacraments is a profession of faith, along with the, the supper. When we come to take Lord's Supper and communion, we, it is given to those who have professed their faith, who understand and can see the body of Christ, understand it rightly, and so they come by their profession. So sacraments allow that as well, though it may not be primarily and significant what's going on. Primarily in the sacraments is God acting. God giving, God representing and signifying and sealing. It's less of what we do, but that is part of them. And so we ask, what are sacraments? Those are various aspects, but what are sacraments? The Belgic says, first, sacraments are signs and seals to the weak. First, sacraments are signs and seals to the weak. I love the way this article begins. We believe that our good God, mindful of our crudeness, and weakness has ordained sacraments for us to seal his promises in us, to pledge his goodwill and grace toward us, and also to nourish and sustain our faith. That's a pregnant expression, full of meaning. So not only are these because we are weak, 
It's God who is mindful of the weakness. So sacraments show forth the love and care of God to his people. You can, one sense, and I don't mean to be glib saying it this way, but sacraments are like a cherry on top. What do I mean? I mean, the word in that sense is sufficient to bring faith and even strengthens our faith. And yet God, mindful of our weakness, mindful of our even physicality and need to see, has dropped that cherry on top, has said, here you go, my people, that you can see and have portrayed so clearly my love for you and the promises you are given. Glorious. And it's hard for us to fully appreciate that. I experience this just quite often where you'll read on the sacraments and you feel so full of their understanding. You're like, I get it. I'm starting to grasp it more. And then by the time the next sacrament comes, you're like, yeah, it's this. And, and it's hard to carry it about. But this is the truth. This is what we are to prepare with before sacraments. This is what we are to think on when we, when we see the sacraments worship. God's love to us, signing and sealing to our weakness because we are weak. The cup of cool water for us in the desert. What are sacraments like? Well, they are really communing with God. Being able to have a foretaste of that. Will foretaste spiritually speaking of what we have with Christ and will be able to experience fully in heaven. Reminders given to us, regular reminders, the waters of signifying, the, the waters of baptism signifying all washing away of sins, the elements of the Lord's Supper strengthening our faith. I was trying to think of a, a good illustration of sacraments and initially I was thinking of renewing of vows of a husband and wife renewing their vows but the more I thought of that I realized that's not an appropriate illustration and I think it's helpful to explain why we'll get at some of the meaning of a sacrament to to see why that isn't the case you see a sacrament isn't like God renewing vows to us because when we think of renewing vows we think of something broken or we think of something that was harmed and then is more necessary to state it again. At least that's not always the way renewing of vows is used, certainly not, but often is the case. There was a hindrance and now we will renew it. I think a better illustration, certainly not fully, it, it has errors where we depress it. But I think a better illustration of sacraments to us is Christ. We are the bride, Christ is the husband, as, as Christ putting a love note on a fridge to his wife. And what do we mean by that? What do I mean by that? Well, it is a continuous reminder of his care and attention, of his promise, of his own vows made on behalf of his wife, given to his people, that he will be faithful to us, that he will save us. And a love note, what's, why do I say it that way? Because it's something that should be regularly used. It's regularly given. And it's not because there was something broken in a relationship. It's rather to strengthen it. It's rather to nourish it. What's even conveyed in that note is, the note itself is not the love of the husband, but the note is conveying the love of the husband, showing that he is faithful to his wife and loves her. Now again, that illustration can be pressed into problems. But we should see sacraments like that. God, Christ, to his people, reminding them, this is what I give. This is my faithfulness. This is what you possess. This is my love. 
knowing our weakness. Love is conveyed in that way, and in that way it's a sign. Just like a note is a sign of the husband's love, it is signifying it, to portray it. Sacraments are also that seal. It's a seal authenticating to us the righteousness of Christ and indeed that we belong to him. It's a genuine seal. Pressing his signet ring on us. The official seals that you might have on a document from the government, it says this is authentic, this is real. The promises given in the sacraments are real and truly conveyed. They're not empty. What we just saw was not just a nice depiction of washing. What we saw was Christ sealing his promises on one of our own covenant members that belongs to her and belongs to us. So they're signs and seals to the week. Second, sacraments are spiritual nourishment. Spiritual nourishment. We've already been talking about this. This is just what I said, that they truly convey to us and spiritually strengthen us. We in our tradition, in a Reformed tradition, have a very strong understanding of the sacraments. And we would say it this way. We believe it's right to say we avoid the errors of Rome by putting too much into the sacrament. We avoid the errors of Zwingli by not putting enough into the sacrament and understanding that there is more here than an empty external rite. There is a spiritual nourishment, fulfillment going on. The sacraments do truly convey the thing signified. It's hard for us to grasp this. In the sacraments, there are the external sign portraying a true internal reality, a spiritual reality. And the spiritual reality, as we've already said, that's conveyed is union with Christ, cleansing with him, nourishment on his body. That is given to us in the sacraments. It is portrayed. And it's not just a visible thing spiritually, well, through the Holy Spirit and our faith, it is strengthened. Christ is presented. God's Word presents Christ. We see that clearly. It presents the message of Christ. The sacraments do the same. They present Christ to us. And as we partake of these visible signs, the Holy Spirit allows us to be graciously strengthened in Him. Another illustration of this, and again, illustrations are dangerous. I don't want this to be overly, overly pushed forward as well. But we can only receive this by faith. And so in one sense, what's being spiritually conveyed in a sacrament is like a radio wave. And what I mean is there are radio waves now around us. There are radio waves that are sent forth, and our ears cannot hear them unless there is a transmitter, a receptor, a radio that can take those waves and make them audible into sounds that we can hear. You see, without a radio, you will not pick up on the radio waves. They would be of no benefit. They do nothing for you. And yet, when the radio signal is there and received by the device capable of receiving it, we have the sound. Faith is like that radio. What's being conveyed are like those waves. There is grace through God's word, through the sacrament being conveyed, and we only in faith can partake of them. That's why our confessions talk about faith as the hands that can grasp it, that can receive the grace of God. Without that faith, there is nothing. 
Without that faith, the sacraments don't do anything to or for you, and that protects us from errors that many have fallen into. So we see what that they, they are signs and seals to the weak. We see thirdly that they're two in number. Thirdly, they're two in number. The emphasis in the Belgic on the number of the sacraments is to protect us from the errors of the Church of Rome, who had a total of seven sacraments, and used them in that way, putting them all on the same pedestal. You see in the error of Rome that they allowed so much in the meaning of sacraments that the Word of God was pushed to the side. What's the center of our service? Well, it's the Word of God preached. As great as sacraments are, we still put, take sacraments and put them as subservient to the Word. Well, if sacraments can be done and given to anyone and receive the grace of God to anyone who's there to partake, well, you would see why we'd want to push the Word aside and focus on the sacrament. The reason that's a problem is because what we just said, without faith, there's nothing to be received except even judgment. Without faith, the sacraments don't convey their, their grace to us and their nourishment to us. The faith is needed. And so the Belgic places that two in number. There's only these two, and it's these two alone connected to God's word. So that's what sacraments are, what sacraments aren't. First, sacraments are not effective apart from faith. This is what we've been talking about. I say it again because it's so important for us to see if we don't understand this, we create so many problems. We jeopardize salvation itself. You see, the Roman Catholic Church believes that all who partake of the sacrament receives this grace as long as it's, as long as it's not impeded by willful unbelief. Meaning you can sit there in ignorance, and as long as you are not impeding it by active unbelief and sin, you will receive it. Again, that's why what's so center to Mass is the communion service, not the preaching of God's Word. It just makes sense with that understanding, but it's a faulty one, and one we have to avoid. Sacraments are not effective apart from faith. They are for those who can receive them by faith. Misunderstanding this is dangerous. Fear is obvious. Second, sacraments are not empty signs for memory. This is where I think we all could stand to learn from, and, and I put myself in that as well. It's easier to think of sacraments as a work of memory. This is just to remind us what Christ did on the cross. It's just a memorial service of what he's done. It's just a memory that we're washed in him. In this way, this understanding of the sacraments is something like a headstone. A headstone is placed over a dead body to remind us that this is where they lie, and perhaps written on it is a phrase of what was done, a way to remember them. And we can go to memorials. You could go to the, the Iwo Jima Memorial and, and stand and look there and see this is what happened on Iwo Jima, and you can see the memorial and all the men on it and see their names, and it reminds you of it. And I think that's what often we place in sacraments. It's to remind us of that. And it is, but not that alone. See, the difference between a sacrament and a headstone is just that a headstone is just there for us to see. The difference between a headstone and the sacrament is that in the sacrament we actually commune. 
and fellowship with Christ. You see, one, the body is dead and unaffected. It's just there to be remembered. In the true understanding of what a sacrament is, we're there with Him. He's here. In the Lord's Supper, we fellowship with Him. We feed on Him. We're communing with Him and all each other, all the rest of us, corporately gathered together as the body of Christ, united in one faith, one body, one Lord, one baptism. This is how great the sacraments are and what they show. You can go to a cemetery and stand at a headstone and remember that person. Perhaps be blessed by it. But wouldn't anyone trade looking at a headstone and mere memory to be able to communicate fellowship with their loved one? That's what we have in the sacraments. You might think, well, how are we communicating? We don't, we're not talking to him and we're not hearing his voice. And I would say, are we not? This is why God's word is always connected to the sacraments. He's there. He's here. The Holy Spirit unites us to him in heaven. And we hear his word proclaimed. He speaks to us as one alive and not dead. Sacraments in that way are those living rites of the gospel themselves. So we see their, their great use and that they're not just a memory. And third, sacraments are not fundamentally man's action. We had spoken about this earlier, that many Christians believe and emphasize man's own action in the sacraments. That it's a profession of their faith, that it's them to provide their allegiance to God and it is just what they have done, but that isn't what a sacrament is. A sacrament is what God has done for us. And you see it in the Belgic when it says it's for our weakness. Mindful of our crudeness. As we end, I want to read a couple quotes warning of the importance of sacraments that we would hopefully understand their significance and be all the more excited to partake even in hearing these warnings. P.Y.D. Young says this, It is a rash thing for men to neglect the sacraments or account them as a small thing. Although the Reformed churches have always allowed that in a certain sense they are not essential to our salvation since the thief on the cross entered glory without their use, yet they have repeatedly warned that those who fail to use them do so to their injury and peril. For all true believers, they are indeed blessed sacraments. Another commentator says, No one can neglect the use of the sacraments deliberately without exposing himself to grave spiritual consequences. The believer has no right to rely upon the operation of grace apart from the conditions upon which the promise of help is made. And these conditions are the hearing of the word and participation of the sacraments. What is that quote saying? It's saying that we jeopardize ourselves and we cannot hope to receive the grace of God through means he has not ordained. The means he's ordained to produce our faith is God's word. To strengthen our faith is the word and sacraments. Those are the ways. And so we do great injury to ourselves when we neglect them. God graciously gives us all we need in Christ. The sacraments themselves convey it. We've seen it here today. He gives us the means we need to see the gospel and to see him in these visible portrayals. And to be praised 
him be praised that he shows forth that grace, mindful of our weakness and need for him. Let's go to him in a prayer of thanksgiving. Father in heaven, we praise your great name, and we thank you for even these these sacraments that allow us to not only see depicted the gospel message itself, but to also partake, to commune with you, to see in the sacraments Christ spiritually portrayed, conveyed, and proven effective by the Holy Spirit's operation in us, that we would be nourished, nourished as we feed on you, having an assurance that these promises are for us, sealed and signified to us, your people. We pray that you would continue to bless us, that you would help us to remember in our times of doubt or even weakness what these signs have been given for us for remember your love, to remember your promises, that we would be strengthened and ready to continue on in this walk of life. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.